welcome to another Reimagining Windows show on TechNet Radio, our series of business value interviews for IT managers all around Windows 8. My name is Kevin Remdy, and I'm a senior IT evangelist on the U.S. Developer and Platform Evangelism team at Microsoft, and I'm your TechNet Radio host today. Uh, by, sure, by now, I'm sure you've heard that Microsoft has a new operating system, and uh, we've been advertising a great many new and interesting devices available running this thing called Windows 8. Now, today we're going to discuss a number of new and very beneficial capabilities in Windows 8 that provide amazing productivity, and importantly, productivity while we're mobile. Now, Microsoft knows, because you've told us, that giving your workforce the ability to be productive from anywhere, truly productive mobility, is either number one or number two on your list of priorities. So I think you're going to be pleased at what we're going to be discussing today. Now with us today again, we're very fortunate to have the guy at Microsoft who can tell us all about Windows 8 and mobile productivity, Stephen Rose. Stephen, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me, Kevin. Always a pleasure. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Good. So uh, just a little bit more about Steve's background. Stephen is a senior product manager for the, micro for the Windows commercial team at the Microsoft headquarters in Redmond, Washington. Before joining Microsoft, Stephen spent 15 years running his own IT consulting company. Um, in his current role, he manages the Windows technical content on the Springboard series on TechNet, and he oversees Windows 7 and Windows 8 forums. He's the editor of the Springboard Insider newsletter, writes for the Windows team blog, acts as a moderator for the Windows virtual roundtables, and leads a Springboard series tours in North and South America as well as Europe and Asia. So Stephen does a lot for Microsoft yeah. and in the context of the client. And, and on, on behalf of Windows IT pros and, and definitely anyone. Uh, so again, thank you for being with us today. So uh, by now, people have been following our chats. Uh, maybe they're simply just watching TV these days and they see our advertisements about Windows 8 and all the great devices that are out there. Uh, they know there's, a, there's wonderful devices that run Windows 8. They have different hardware form factors. They let users really pick the size and weight of the device they want um, and, and the functionality that's right for them. Um, and we really don't even need to be talking about devices, and we'll more on that in a minute. So given uh, on this idea of mobility, why don't you give us a little bit of your impression on this topic, and, and particularly when we're talking about a well-managed platform, why right. is it so important to be mobile and managed? Well, I, I think there's a lot of things. I think, you know, we talked about in the last episode we did all the form factors that are out there, and I think that that's a really great thing that people can pick the type of thing they're looking for. When I was, um, I was in Orlando uh, earlier this week, and I was doing a keynote at the Live 360 conference, and I brought two devices with me, uh, not only my Surface, which people love to see, but I brought the Dell XPS 12, which is that great laptop where the screen flips over and becomes a tablet, and you can you know, stand it up like a tent, work with it. And I brought the new Dell 10, which is a new tablet. Uh, and one of the things I love about it is the fact that you can remove the battery and add additional batteries and really get that all-day um, power that you're looking for. What we're finding now is that with a lot of devices coming out, getting seven, eight, even a full day's worth of work out of it is not unusual. But what has changed um, you know, is that people are not near plugs because they're not always in the office. So when we take a look at mobility, there's really a few things that, that now become critical as an IT pro that we take a look at. Let's start with mobile broadband. We're going to start to see a lot of devices with Windows 8 with mobile broadband chips built in. I think one of the really big changes when we take a look at where we're at with Windows 7 and Windows 8 is this fact that more and more people now, not just at a Starbucks, but are working out from the middle of nowhere. They want cellular broadband. They don't just want to be able to walk into a place and get just Wi-Fi. Um, 
there are two things that really make that happen. Number one is the new mobile broadband features in Windows 8. Um, what's great is it's a smart feature. So if you set up, uh, if you go buy a tablet and you put in a broadband card or you're using an external uh, Wi-Fi device, like I have my little hotspot, which is great, I can plug into that, it is, as soon as you say monitor, and I'm going to be on a mobile broadband, it immediately takes a look at what you're downloading, what you're doing, and if there is a service patch uh, or a patch Tuesday comes in or drivers, it's smart about doing it. For example, I plugged in a mouse, and it gave me, it grabbed just the DLL that I needed to be able to use the mouse. But the software to sort of customize the mouse experience, which tends to be considerably bigger, that DLL comes down in a matter of kilobytes. It's not even a megabyte. But that 40 meg, 50 meg piece of software that can help to configure that won't come down until I'm on what we call a non-metered connection. Same oh, thing. So it's, actually, it's actually able to tell the difference. It knows it's it's being charged for this. And well, that's, yep. a, that's really smart. Yeah, and then what it'll also do is when you get an update, it'll take a look and say, ah, this is a security patch or this is a antivirus or malware update. I absolutely need this. But these other things that are coming down, these are improvements to the operating system. It's large. I don't need these to stay safe at a critical base level, so I'm going to wait again until you're on that unmetered connection before I download these. And then as soon as you get on a Wi-Fi connection, it goes, ah, this is Wi-Fi. I've connected to it. I've gone through authentication or whatever. And then it will start to download those at that point. So you're not going to get charged and be forced to download things that don't make sense for you to do over a slower or a paid connection. I think that's absolutely out of the box, a great feature that most people are probably not familiar with unless you've turned that feature on and you're using a mobile hotspot or you bought a device that has the mobile broadband built in, which in Europe, Vodafone is doing quite a few of those. We're going to start to see those here in the U.S. in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think a lot of the, the first experience people have had with something like that is probably on a mobile phone, right, where we have updates or applications we want to download, and an update comes out on my Windows phone here, and I, I have to uh, sometimes wait till I get on a Wi-Fi connection because it knows that I'm, I'm going to be right. you know, using up this, this 3G or 4G or LTE connection. Right, so, and uh, it's assuming that most people don't have the all-you-can-eat plans, which you and I have because we've been you know, with our providers for years, but most people don't. And again, spending 20 or 30 megs to download a game or something that's not that important because we set update all, oh, crap, I just, you know, you download five of those in a month, and all of a sudden there's a large chunk of your bandwidth gone, and now you're paying for overages for things that you need. So that's, that, that really becomes one of the first things. The second thing is the changes to direct access. Um, I think you and I have, have talked about this, but I love direct access. It is the one feature that I absolutely cannot live without. I, I, I tell the story often. I was in uh, about a year or so ago. Um, I was in Prague. Uh, Joey Snow was with there. Was was with me there. And across there, there's a very famous um, landmark called the astronomical clock. It is this clock that keeps track of day, month, second, and year. It's been doing it for hundreds of years, and it's 100% accurate, and it's it's beautiful. Across the street from it is a Starbucks. So I need to get some work done, so I went into the Starbucks, and what I loved was I had an email that connected to SharePoint. So in order for, you know, inside of the email was something I needed. It was on SharePoint. I clicked the link, and because I had direct access, I was immediately connected. So it was an internal site. It wasn't it externally was an accessible. internal site. I had to go from my standard HTTP to an HTTPS internal site. In IT, and you know this as well, as an IT manager, end users don't care how it works. They just want it to work. 
Mm-hmm. And the more invisible it is, the better. And I take a look at people that are using, you know, these third-party products where they got to pull out their secure ID and they got to wait 60 seconds for the thing to change, and then they have to type in the six-digit code, not get it right, and wait for connect, then type in their four-digit PIN code, and then wait for it to connect and go through this whole rigmarole. That gets difficult. And if you're going to do something, for example, like a program where you are hosting the database for that program, like a sales database management tool, people are going to launch it. They forget that they have to connect to the VPN first. It breaks the connection. They have to go back through, remap the database. It gets difficult. What I loved is I was on IPv4, unsecure, using the public Wi-Fi. I clicked on this link. I immediately clicked over on IPv6. I was encrypted. I was viewing that data. And then as soon as I went back to normal web surfing and clicked off that, I was back. So what I like is, and people loved it. The problem was, A, you had to have all IPv6 hardware, which a lot of folks did not have as they were just coming off of XP and Server 2003, which were 32-bit and didn't re- and IPv4, and it was difficult to set up. So with Windows 8 and Server 2012, direct access can be set up now in four to five clicks, and it can leverage IPv4. So you don't need to go out and buy all new uh, BGP or Edge uh, routers, et cetera, that are all IPv that are all IPv6. You can have one, um, you know, that sets that up, but everything else can be IPv4. So we've made that much easier. And as long as you're running Server 2012 and Windows 8. You can do this great thing with direct access, which I think as more people move to these tablets and devices, it's going to be a lot easier. So I think between direct access, mobile mobile uh, broadband, and then UEV, um, a feature in MDOP which allows synchronization across multiple devices that, you know, if you change an app or change something on one PC, it changes it across all of those. You bring in something like Exchange Online and get rid of the PST. Um, you really have the, not only this great solution that allows connectivity from anywhere, but also allows that if you make a change to one machine, it's now replicated across all those. And if you have a laptop and a tablet, that everything is in sync. Yeah, we'll, and we'll talk about that. I have an, another question coming up here that uh, maybe addresses that in a little even more detail. Yeah. Um, so great, excellent. And, and that's a, a really good summary of, a, of what I think is the reason why a lot of businesses are still going to be providing their folks with devices. Um, and But, you know, we're also in this whole area now, the big word, a big acronym, of course, is bring your own device. Yeah. And uh, businesses want to be able to support a, the ability for a, a person to choose the device they want, mm-hmm. um, either buy it for them or if they've bought it, then, then certainly allow them to use their own device, which doesn't mean they have a lot of say in terms of the policy that can be applied to that device because right. that's the person's own device. Um, so let's talk about, in, the, in that context, this notion of this or this thing called Windows to Go. What is Windows to Go? I love Windows to Go. I think out of all the features in Windows 8, it is absolutely the one feature that whenever I show it to an audience, whenever I talk about it, it absolutely blows them away. And, and I basically say this. I said, how many of you think you're going to get a new Windows PC in the next year? And three-quarters of the room raises their hand because they're due for PC refresh. And I said, guess what? This is going to be your new PC. And they go, what? And I go, this is what you're going to get. You're, they're going to hand you this, and this is it. And I love this concept. I think you know, Windows to Go is an enterprise feature, and what it does is it puts a full OS on the stick. Not just a full OS, but it can actually go a step further where we can introduce applications. We can preload it with uh, using DISM with Office and internal apps and sideloaded apps and be able to do this. There are drives that are like this that are 128, 256, and let me show you this. This is brand new from Western Digital. We now have a 500 gig external drive 
uh, hmm. from Western Digital that is Windows to Go certified. So now oh. this, if you can boot for in, you know, you go F12, you boot from this, this now becomes your PC. So very simply, the way that Windows to Go works is once you put it in, you will boot from this device. Uh, the first thing to understand is it only uses your hardware. So you're not going to be able to see your C drive. You're not going to, you know, you could have Windows 7 Home, and you're going to be booting into Windows 8 Enterprise. You could have Windows 7 Enterprise. You're booting into Windows 8 Enterprise. So that's the first thing to understand. Number two, once you get in, this can be domain joined. So now you have a full domain join, managed PC. No matter how infected the base OS is, doesn't matter because you're not going to see that base OS. Can you connect to external drives, like an external hard drive or another USB drive? Absolutely. Or a CD-ROM or a DVD if you need to. So if you need to install a piece of software on it, if you need to transfer data from it, etc., absolutely. Um, it is, you have to have a USB 3 drive uh, to do this, but you can run it in a USB 2.0 port. So what's great is, although you're building it for USB 3, can run in USB 2. Yeah, my um, understanding is the installation actually does require the USB 3, but the does. actual running of it will run on USB 2, albeit slowly, uh, yeah. but it will run that way. The idea is that USB 3, and not just any USB 3 drive, what's interesting about these drives is these are like mini SSDs, which is why they're so expensive. This drive, which is a um, uh, 128, runs about $80. Um, it is meant for fast rewrites, unlike a regular USB 3 drive something like this, which is meant for you to take a gigantic thing of pictures or movies or whatever it is you're going to move back and forth to it, you know, and transfer it back and forth. This is meant for bulk writing, writing a large file, writing a lot of data, and not really running things off of this, but really using this as a storage device or moving things back and forth. These are mini SSDs. These are meant for really, really quick, fast read and writes back and forth. So uh, to act basically like an SSD drive in your PC, which is exactly what it's doing so kind of funny how that works so that that's sort of the, the first thing and they are we have drives that are certified for that if you want to know which ones if you go out to springboard and you go to our uh, explore area and click on windows to go we actually will have a list and it's updated as we get new drives from western digital super talent uh, super talent etc that are authorized and certified for um, windows and then the goal is is that these drives when you, if you're running a USB 3.0 drive in the USB 3.0 port, it will work seamlessly and as fast as it would you installing it on a regular PC. Hmm. It's just amazing. Um, now, so that's that's the technology, and I think you're getting some of the uh, the wheels are turning now. I know a lot of folks that are watching this are thinking, "Oh, wow, this is great! How? Yeah. When would I when would I use this?" So let's talk about that for a second. What are some okay. of the scenarios where this might be useful for a business? Well, some of the scenarios that I've heard, and these are not the scenarios that we think people are going to use, but these are the ones that customers that I talk to at executive briefings, et cetera, I think I've heard three or four really great scenarios. One is we hire a lot of temp workers at certain times. You're always chatting with a, a company that does um, income tax, and they say, we hire people in January, February, March. You know, quite a few people to come in to help do people's taxes. They bring in their own PC. So what we are going to do is we're going to hand them this stick. It's got our software already preloaded on it that we're going to use. Uh, all they have to do is they have a domain account. They log in. They have access to everything. But what we love is people are coming in with their home PCs. They're not saving any of the uh, tax data to a drive that we can't manage. If we fire them, we immediately shut that off. They don't have domain credentials. They can't get into it. 
we can secure it and we can manage it. So I think that that's really great. And they don't have to worry about somebody's coming in with a virus that could take out everybody else's PCs and limiting what apps are on that machine. Second, I've Oh, I'm Go sorry, ahead. but just want to interrupt. Sorry for a second. It's just interesting in that scenario when you talk about having to dismiss someone uh, summarily like that. Um, you know, that person is not going to be too happy about the fact that they are they've been dismissed. And right. in the case of where they've had a PC that they're now being asked to return, uh, now they simply have a USB stick that they uh, they would need to return. Exactly. So it reduces the cost because now you're talking a you know eighty dollar USB stick instead of a six seven hundred dollar PC, which is great. And number two. Um, again, we've removed the data. So by removing that password, by shutting that off, they're not going to be able to get at that. We can shut that off ahead of time, et cetera. So we really have a great opportunity um, you know, to start to minimize the risk there. Number two, and this is the way that I use this one, is um, this is my backup PC. So mm -hmm. when I travel, uh, this sits in a very, very nice hard-shelled case like this. So it's great. It's waterproof. It's rainproof. I basically shove it in here, and this is my backup PC. And a lot of people are looking at it that way. And what I love about that is we now have, if my PC dies and the hard drive goes out, I can still plug this in because all I need is hardware, and I can boot directly into that. And if my hardware dies, I can go to anybody's PC and say, hey, can I borrow your PC for 20 minutes? I log in. There's my Outlook. There's the apps that I use every day. There's everything that's really critical to me being able to do business. And I can run that from anybody's PC and say, here, come here, let me show you what I'm doing. Boot into it. They can see I have no access to anything on their PC. I can't, nothing private, nothing along that line. And I can still get my work done. I can even do this from a hotel. So I can go to that hotel PC that you always see for printing up your tickets. Or I can go to Sky Club and walk into the Delta Sky Lounge and do that there. So that's, that's number two. And then number three, this becomes a great way if you have remote workers. So if you have, you know, people and, you know, one of my favorite quotes was a guy at MMS a few years ago said, I have thousands of PCs out there that we supposedly manage, but I've never seen any of them. And you have a salesperson who buys a PC and they're not going to back it up. They're not going to do this. We can send that to them because if we ask them to send us their laptop, they're now without that laptop for three to five days by saying, hey, here's your new PC, boot into your USB key, you're great. Now, there are a few things to keep in mind, and that is, A, it does not work on Windows RT. Uh, number two, we cannot do BitLocker because we cannot access the, the TPM chip from it. Uh, and then number three, this only works on Windows 8 Enterprise. And there is a, uh, if you're running Windows 8 Enterprise or you're running the eval, what you can do is you can go into your find, type in Windows to go with spaces uh, under apps, click it, and then the Windows to go creator tool will come up. So then I ask you, Kevin, this question. Mm -hmm. Why not just copy Windows 8 onto a USB stick? Isn't that Windows to go? I was about to ask you the same question. I'm going to ask it to you because we've had these conversations. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think the answer might be um, licensing, possibly. That would be one, number Activation. one. Activation. Yeah, absolutely. Activation is a big one. But the other one is, of course, Windows to go is built for you to be able to pull that USB key in and out of multiple machines and multiple pieces of hardware. With Windows 8 and Windows 7, as soon as you install it to an OS, it bonds with that hardware. And you have seven unique pieces of hardware, and if you change too many of those, it's no longer activated. Well, with, you're going to have the same problem. The first time you plug in that Windows 8 stick that you built, and you plug it into a machine, it's going to bond with that hardware. And when you go to a machine with different hardware, it's going to say, hi, 
all seven of these things I'm looking at are completely different. Therefore, um, you know, you need a new copy of Windows, so it's not going to be activated, uh, and you're going to run into some issues. So it's part of Software Assurance Volume Licensing, and you're actually a one-to-one -one license. So if you have 25 volume licenses, you can make 25 Windows to go sticks. Excellent, excellent. Um, now, with this scenario, when people are using their own PC, but the company is managing their documents, their settings, maybe they're using something like uh, what you briefly talked about earlier, uh, user experience virtualization, uh, how do you do this? I mean, it, it, if, I'm, if I'm using my own PC and my company gives me this stick, uh, I want to get at my documents, I want to get at my settings. What kind of connectivity options am I going to have for, for getting that access to the, the information that I need sure. to use and the applications I need to use? I think that there, and this is the great thing, there's a lot of combinations to use. So let's say you are not a software assurance, you know, volume license customer. Let's, let's get away even from using this with Windows to go, let's say any PC. I want to truly create that whole, if your PC dies, who cares? We throw it out, we hand you a new one, and within five minutes everything is there. Some of the key technologies I would say that anybody watching this should check out. Um, UEV is going to be the first one, the user experience virtualization. It works similarly to the... Uh, to the Windows Live Sync that we see in Windows 8, that it will sync your browser favorites and your backgrounds, but it goes further. It also does things like your applications and application settings. So it really does become a complete, what you do on one goes to all your PCs. And remember, the average person now is using three devices, a laptop, a phone, and a tablet. Number two, folder redirection. If you have an always-on connection, if you're a first-world country with broadband and Wi-Fi access everywhere, that's great. But folder redirection does work in offline, which means you do have access to that data. It just makes sure that we're backed up and that we're synced. There is SkyDrive, which is great for a company with five people where security is not a big deal. SkyDrive becomes a great way to save and share. But if, if you're going to move with critical data, SkyDrive Pro really becomes the way to do that, where you're managing that and everything is uploaded to it. And I know a lot of companies who basically redirect Office and do the whole thing where anytime you're in Office, everything gets saved to SkyDrive Pro. Again, if you're not connected, it will save it to a local cache, and then it will synchronize the next time you're online. So there's no problem using SkyDrive or SkyDrive Pro when you're on an airplane and there's no Wi-Fi. Taking that even further, we can also move into things like Office 365, which I think becomes a great way where everything is done in the cloud, saved in the cloud, and no data is moved locally. And then my personal favorite, moving from Exchange to Exchange Online. What Exchange Online does is it gives you, instead of that 5 gig, a 25 gig PST, it's better availability. So as I travel to different places, I have much faster connectivity to Outlook, and it got rid of the PST. The one thing that made me crazy, that I had PSTs that were virtually impossible to sync, so I would have different archives in different places. By moving everything back into my inbox, by being able to increase that size, that works great. And for people that are on, let's say, iOS and Android, by incorporating either Office 365 or OA. OA is something that I use on my Surface RT. Since there is no Outlook, I have Word, I have Excel, I have PowerPoint, but I use SkyDrive Pro and I use OA. And OWA becomes a great way for me to have that full functionality to be able to read encrypted emails and DRM'd emails and do all the work I do and be able to do that. And I absolutely love that. Or remote desktop, VDI, become other great ways. And through um, you know, uh, VDI in Windows 8 with Server 2012, not only has all that great remote FX support that we saw in you know, Server 2008 R2, but we've added things like local touch and 
um, mm. USB redirect where I could plug in this headset into my RT device and be able to connect via VDI and still have it work, still have it load down, still have that touch experience, but I'm connected to a full Windows 8 enterprise desktop with all the feature functionality and apps that I need. So there's tons of great combinations, some that are free, some that people already own through software assurance and volume licensing, some that they have perhaps through SCCM or they have through their office licensing. There's so many different ways to do it, and that's what's great. It doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all, and our solutions work not only on our own products, but also can be leveraged on the iOS and Android platforms. So that's what's great is there's a lot of flexibility in how users use it. I think it's one of the most exciting stories that we have out there today to um, be able to really give you your full flavored experience so many different ways depending on how you want to work and how you as an IT pro want to manage your end users. Fantastic. And again, you know, back, that's the whole idea of mobility and, and productivity, being able to marry the two, give people the options, give people the, um, you know, their own personal preference as far as the devices they want to be able to use and still give IT the power to be able to lock it down, to secure it, to be able to grant the access that's required and all the flexibility yeah. of the applications, the settings, the uh, the remote desktops, the virtual desktops, I mean, it's all its all there. It's all part of the platform and very easy to, uh, to set up with something like Windows 8 and with Server 2012 in the background. Absolutely, and I think the other great thing is now we have a lot of companies saying, look, we're not going to domain join PCs. We still have great options there when we take a look at, you know, Office 365, when we take a look at remote desktop and things like that. Fine, keep it in a work group or don't have a domain join PC. Or Windows Intune. Or Windows Intune, yeah, yeah, you can still management. lock that down and manage that. So a lot of good stuff. Um, we've got some great announcements that are going to be happening in the next week around SCCM Service Pack 1 and Windows Intune, Windows 8 support right around the corner for those products, and more feature functionality coming over the next few months. I think MMS this year is going to be a very, very exciting show as we have all this new feature functionality with those products to talk about, and as well as Windows 8 before we move into the TechEd time frame. So I'll certainly be there in Vegas hearing what everybody has to say. Excellent, excellent. So it sounds to me like um, whether we give our users a laptop, a tablet, or uh, let them use their own PC, use a USB stick, we've got a solution that gets uh, lets them do their work, uh, and it does. It really <laughs> sounds like mobile productivity to me. And then a lot of these capabilities you mentioned, things like direct access, user experience virtualization, these are a common part of the solution. So where do you suggest folks go now to find out more information on these new capabilities? I wish there was a site that held all of this information. And all Gee, the, that would be so great if we where had... Would that, you know, kind of give people sort of a, a springboard into this new technology <laughs> or something like that. That would be wonderful. Well, of course, we're talking about Microsoft.com forward slash springboard. If you go there, click on our Windows 8 area under our Explore. We have all the great content that will explain all of these key features. We have the jumpstart that Joey Snow and I did. We have some great feature product videos that are three to five minutes to walk you through the features. Um, i got to tell you, one of my new favorite features, and I don't know if we talked about this in our last show, is file history. Did we talk about file history in my last No, I don't think we have. Um, you know, I, we're going to be talking about uh, security um, in, a, in a couple of days here. Yes. Why don't we uh, we'll save that. add that to the list? Yeah. So go, go check out file history. My favorite tweet from the 360 conferences, it's Apple's time machine done right. <laughs> I like that. Not, and this guy was a Mac user, so it was nice to see. Um, nice. Absolutely, all the stuff is there on Springboard. We have support through the forums. We have the 90-day eval that people can download. And if you can't find something, 
you can always tweet me at Stephen L. Rose, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L Rose, and I'm happy to point you towards a resource if you can't find it. I know you also are very, very reachable and accessible. We chat often on Twitter, and you're also great at pointing people towards the blogs, the sites, and all the great content that's out there and the stuff that you have on your site as well. I appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Kevin, what, what, what is your Twitter in case people want to get a hold of you? My Twitter is just simply Kevin Remde, K-E-V-I-N-R-E-M-D-E. Very easy to go. find. So add uh, both of us as part of Follow Friday. and you know, Please. We'll yes, I'll, I'll follow you back probably. We'll follow you uh, back. All right. Well, Steve, it's always a real pleasure to talk to you. and really appreciate all the great information you shared with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. And we'll talk soon about security and backups and cool stuff like that in our next episode. Absolutely. Okay. We'll see you next time on TechNet Radio, Reimagining Windows.